0: This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello and welcome to another episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. A few days ago I caught up with Tom Tedford, the CEO of Brands. Tom as you may well know, took over the CEO role from Boris Ellisman last October. I asked Tom how he was settling in to his new role and then we looked at some recent developments at ACCO, including the new reporting structure and its 2023 earnings report. Tom, good to see you. Thanks for joining me today on the OPI podcast. Appreciate that. My pleasure. So yeah, you've been in the in the job four months now. I think pretty pretty much. How's it been going? Quite simply.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's been going well, Andy. Thank you, and mm-hmm. thank you for having me on on the podcast. Um, excited about uh, the opportunities we have at Aco Brands. Um, obviously, learning a lot in my new role. Um, as you mentioned, uh, it has been four months, mm-hmm. and it's been a, a event filled four months for sure.
0: Yeah. Any 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 surprises in in there in that four month four month period?
1: You know, I don't think there's been any surprises. I think the the um, the backdrop in which we we've done the transition, you know, continues to be challenging. Right? It, it was a bit challenging um, uh, pre-transition, and certainly the the environment that we operate in hasn't uh, improved or changed much. So, I think that's the the thing that is probably most challenging um, at the moment, is just uh, navigating uh, the various challenges uh, that we face uh, as a business. And, um, you know, but I think we knew that going into it, and, yeah. and it's it's all been going well.
0: All right. You've had Boris in the building uh, for, for the past few months. I think he's got another month officially. Uh, how much of a help has that been?
1: You know, I it's been tremendously helpful. Um, you know, Boris is uh, obviously a very tenured CEO. He's been in the role for or was in the role for over 10 years. Uh, he understood uh, the nuances of our business uh, like few others do. Uh, he's extremely intelligent. Uh, he's just a, a great mentor and, and he's been invaluable to lean on as we've transitioned. Um, so it's, it's been really good. And as you mentioned, uh, his time uh, on the board is, is wrapping up. Uh, and
0: we'll miss him dearly. Mm. Okay, I, I, in your in your four months, have you been? I think you've been visiting some of your uh, locations internationally. If, uh, I, if I'm uh, correct, in, on a few posts that I've seen on on, on LinkedIn, how, how's that been? A kind of international tour that you've been doing? Have you been following in Taylor Swift's f- footprints? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> um, Yeah, you know, I have the privilege of uh, traveling uh, all over the globe uh, to see and work with our colleagues. Um, We have just such a tremendous team, uh, just dedicated uh, to our company, to our customers. Um, You know, they're just such terrific people, uh, first and foremost. Uh, A pleasure to be around, a pleasure to get to know. Um, But yeah, we've uh, we've been out uh, really over the last couple of years. Uh, traveling the world, uh, seeing our team, seeing our customers, um, and I always leave energized, right? It's mm-hmm. it's just such a, a pleasure to spend time uh, with the talented team at Aco Brands, and uh, I'm always inspired by their work and always motivated to do a better mm-hmm. job uh, for them. So uh, yeah, it's it's been terrific uh, getting out and getting to know our team across
0: the globe. Sure in terms of the international business there have been some changes announced recently that includes a shift from from three reporting structures down to two which which will impact the the international business just your thoughts on why why you needed to make that move at, at this particular time
1: yeah you know it was um certainly something that uh we wanted to be thoughtful about, uh, be careful about, make sure that we were doing no harm to the business as we were looking at ways to really optimize our structure. Um, so you know Cesare Monco, I would imagine quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, a stalwart within the industry, certainly within the European businesses. Um, he's he's well known. Um, so it was it was um, it was really a a decision to help move um, leaders like Cesare closer to our customers, closer to our commercial activities. Uh, Cesare and Pat uh, have been with our business for, Mm. uh, you know, the combined two of them, probably 50 plus years would be my guess. Yeah, Pat Pat
0: Buckenroth in in America's region. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So, you know, the the tenure that we had, the experience that we had uh, in-house, um, and and really taking this opportunity to move those key leaders closer to our customers, closer to the consumers, um, get them more engaged in activities like product development, for example, uh, was an opportunity that presented itself um, through this restructure. And, and I think we, we need that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two gentlemen who are very committed to our business, who understand our business quite well, understand our channels, our product categories. Uh, so this was an opportunity for us to really put the the leaders that we thought were best fit in roles uh, to make the maximum impact on behalf of of the company, our customers, and our shareholders. And mm-hmm. so Cesar and Pat have a long track record. And I'm sure they'll be successful in the future as well. Sure. Did you
0: do you think did you have too many layers of management? Was that one of the the reasons behind this?
1: I, you know, too many is always in the eyes of the beholder, Andy. <laughs> um, It was an opportunity for us to delayer and and really simplify the organizational structure. Um, It it, it gives us a chance to make decisions uh, quickly. And uh, as I said at the beginning of this uh, conversation, it really helps us uh, put our best fit leaders in roles that drive maximum value. Mm. Uh, So there was a combination of things that went into play as we considered the various structure op- options that we had as a business. Um, and ultimately we landed on uh, mm-hmm. two segments and a global supply chain. We think that best
0: well, uh, positions that. Mm-hmm. the company. Yeah. no, we do have quite a lot of followers in the Australia and New Zealand markets. And I know that that region has now come under Cesare's remit as part of the new international division. What, what will, Stakeholders and, and and customers will they notice any difference on the on the ground if you like in, in those two markets?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, we have the the great pleasure of having um, a, a, a terrific team uh, in Australia and New Zealand, led by a terrific leader in Adam Coleman. Uh, so we are um, you know in in really good uh, position uh, in that market. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my hope is, is that Cesari is able to spend a little more time there, uh, perhaps bring some new product ideas, uh, look at potential uh, acquisition opportunities, right? just I, I really want Cesari and those leaders focused on commercial activities, um, and this gives them more time to do okay. that. So on the ground, I'm not sure they'll feel a whole lot of change. Uh, in the day-to-day, uh, but hopefully they'll see more opportunities for new products coming into the market, uh, more conversations about acquisitions, mm-hmm. things of that nature that will drive uh, hopefully long-term profitable revenue for Australia and the rest of the company.
0: Okay, good. A couple of points that you mentioned there we we'll hopefully pick up on in a minute. You've just come off your Q4 and full year 2023 earnings uh, results uh, release and, and the call. will just To start with, what was your assessment of 2023 uh, and your performance during that year?
1: Well, really proud of our team. Um, We set out uh, at the beginning of the year uh, a priority in which we wanted to restore the company's gross margins. 2022 was a year in which we had navigated unprecedented uh, inflation, supply chain disruptions, and it had an impact on the company's gross margins uh, and our cash flow. Uh, so gross margin restoration was, was priority number one in 2023. Um, and I'm very proud of our team and the work that they did to uh, restore the company's gross margins. We are now kind of back to where we think we need to be. Um, you know, that, that range of pre-pandemic gross margin rates, we finished the year at 32.6%, uh, which we think is a fair return for the value that we add uh, in, the, in the process of uh, bringing product to market. Um, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of the work that our teams have done, right? So it's difficult, um, you know, price conversations with customers are difficult, negotiations with suppliers for lower cost is difficult, reducing our cost structure is difficult, right? It wasn't one thing that uh, drove the gross margin expansion. It was a number of things working in harmony uh, led by a great team uh, that was a, that enabled us to uh, restore the margin rates. So, you know, overall, I think the, the, the year was mixed. Um, you know, revenue was a bit weaker than we had anticipated. Mm. Um, and I think that's well-documented in the industry and across our categories. Um, but we, we managed the things that we can control quite well, uh, control the controllables. Uh, we did that. Uh, and, you know, we're starting to look ahead and, and really making some investments in product development mm. and innovation mm. uh, and in our team and in our infrastructure to ensure that we're in a great position uh,
0: moving forward. Okay. I think there were some specific issues in a couple of your, your growing categories. I think gaming and technology, you called those out on, on, on the call. Hopefully they, they will pick up well, you know, later this year or, or, or beyond that. Um, but they are different from the secular issues that you see in some of your your traditional categories. Is is that correct?
1: Yeah, you know, if if we think about our computer accessories and, and gaming accessories businesses, right? We've we've kind of brought those to, to market under technology accessories. Mm. You know, we do believe that long term, you know, those two categories offer the company um, nice growth opportunities. Um, You know, there are three plus billion gamers globally Mm. um, uh, today. Um, It is a a big uh, addressable market in which we have relatively uh, small shares outside of uh, the U.S. And so as we think about uh, our strategy of expanding um, our gaming business internationally, uh, we're laying the groundwork. We're developing products that are appropriate for those markets. We're securing licenses that are needed Mm. in those markets preparing our sales organization to ensure that they are prepared to sell to our customers in those markets so we're doing a really nice job of building that foundation and then with um computer accessories right we we are very much tied to laptop deployments and Mm. you know we've dealt with a a significant headwind um over the last probably 18 months of um know business it spending really coming to a halt Mm. and so we believe that that is a short-term issue uh, I can't predict exactly when that's going to turn around. As you mentioned, we think it's probably late in the year. Yeah. Um, but we think that long term, uh, both of those categories offer, offer the company uh, some terrific growth opportunities.
0: Yeah. Okay. Some other categories. I noticed on the call you mentioned some some exits. Can you, can you give us a bit more color on those?
1: Yeah. You know, e- each year our teams do a nice job of really looking at our portfolio and making sure that, uh, the business that we have uh, you know, serves a purpose uh, within, within our category strategies. Um, and so most of the business exits that I've referenced on the call were uh, concentrated in the U.S., mm. uh, and most of those were around private label listings okay. or private label mm. product that we were producing. Mm. And just with you know, the inflation that we've incurred, um, uh, particularly uh, in some raw materials, uh, that were used to make those products um, we we just felt like it, it no longer served a strategic purpose and so we worked with our customers uh, to move out of those listings move out of those um, businesses uh, always difficult to do right top lines uh, mm-hmm. challenging enough as is and when you uh, magnify it with business exits it becomes that much more problematic yeah. um, but we think in the long term it was the right answer
0: okay Globally, it sounds like you are exiting the wellness category. Did I get that right?
1: You did, Andy. Yeah. We we uh, we are exiting certain product categories within the wellness yeah. uh, space. Not not entirely, but certain product categories.
0: Okay. Can you tell us more? Is that is that True Sense purifies and humidifies and those kind of products?
1: Yeah. 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 So the air purification market just was saturated yeah. post COVID. Um, You know, we made the decision to enter pre-COVID, and we Mm -hmm. thought it was a a really interesting space for us to explore. Uh, We thought we brought some really value-added products to market. Uh, COVID hit, and then you just Mm -hmm. had a proliferation of product and SKUs um, that really took down the price points. Um, And so, in the Mm -hmm. end, you know, it's it's just a space that we thought was uh, very competitive, very Mm -hmm. price-sensitive, Hard to carve out um, really a name with a brand. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was a difficult decision. We think we have some great product there. Um, we'll continue to support wellness in other areas, but air purifiers, uh, we are exiting.
0: Okay. On the other hand, you did emphasize product innovation uh, and development. And um, I think perhaps in the near term, more so on the gaming and technology side, because they are your your fastest growing, potentially your fastest growing businesses. Uh, Anything you can say about there? uh, What's in the pipeline?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm really excited and and energized, frankly, by the team and the work that they're doing. Um, You know, we've got a number of really uh, exciting uh, developments that are probably a little uh, early to talk about. I don't want to get ahead (laughs) of our commercial teams. Uh, but there's some of them were rolled out at our sales conference uh, in Europe. Uh, they 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 gathered together in January in mm. Valencia, um, and there were a number of products that were introduced to our sales teams there. Um, but you know we need to have a balanced approach uh, in our our work and bringing new products to market. It can't solely be uh, technology accessories. We have a big core business, mm. a core business that we're very proud of uh, that serves a, a big purpose. Uh, for our company, and so we've got to lean in there a little more aggressively, and that's really where the emphasis is going to be um, um, in the near term uh, as we watch and and kind of wait for uh, the various uh, technology accessories dynamics to shape themselves out. Um, You know, as I mentioned in in our recent past, that's really been our focus, uh, particularly on gaming as we're expanding internationally. We had to have unique products for certain markets, and so that's been a big emphasis of the company. Uh, now we're going to be a little more balanced in our approach but over time right it's naturally going to distort towards more technology um, accessory solutions Um, and you know i think we'll balance that well
0: sure this emphasis on r&d does that mean you've you've invested in more teams or you've got other locations there r&d and anything there you can say
1: yeah you know we've we've Again, taking a similar uh, strategy as we discussed uh, with our segment. So we looked at um, you know the pockets in which we perform best, the leaders that led that work, um, and then we've made some decisions to move more of that ownership to those key leaders. Mm. Um, So uh, for example, our our core categories, uh, a gentleman named Hugh Darcy, who you may know uh, there in the UK. Uh, he'll be working uh, across our business, you know, driving uh, many of our our core categories. We'll keep local product development as well, where local product development makes sense, right? We have mm-hmm. a bunch of businesses that serve local consumers uh, with strong local brands uh, and categories that are more more local, country specific. Uh, but where we can leverage global scale, we will. Uh, and and Hugh, for example, mm-hmm. will. Uh, kind of lean in and and lead some of that work for us, mm. but we have a, a great team, um, some very seasoned and, and and terrific leaders who have a strong track record of bringing new products to market. Uh, we're going to build around them, and and um, you know we're we're excited about what what we're seeing. We're excited about uh, the future of of the mm. product roadmap and the launches that we'll be uh, bringing to market over the next couple of years.
0: Okay, we will keep an eye out. For, for that, you, you referred to supply chain earlier on. and I understand you've brought the supply function under a single leader. Can you just explain a little, little bit more about that, how it works, and what the, the rationale was for that?
1: Yeah, so in the near term, we don't anticipate a whole lot of change, Andy. What I've asked uh, Greg McCormick, who will be leading our global supply chain, to do is really just develop an assessment of um, best practices. Uh, throughout the business, um, you know what markets are turning inventory most efficiently. What markets have uh, the best uh, SNOP process? Uh, what markets uh, you know offer uh, the best quality programs? Right. So look at everything holistically and share best practices. Ultimately, the objective is that one leader will have a focus on driving improved inventory turns, freeing up cash for us to reinvest in our business. While providing best-in-class customer service mm. uh, in our categories, right? That's yeah. that's the primary purpose of this work. Uh, but in the near term, you know, we we're not gonna you're not gonna see a whole lot of massive changes. We want to assess all the things that we do well, see what we can leverage mm. across our uh, markets and geographies, um, and then go from there.
0: Yeah, I noticed you had a nice uh, reduction in inventory last year which was obviously good from a from a cash cash perspective when you think about we've got the troubles with the red sea uh there's the panama canal issues with the the water you've got you got russia ukraine obviously you need a lot of flexibility there in your supply chain but when you think about inventory levels you think well we perhaps need more of a buffer this year with all what's what's going on
1: yeah, you know, that's going to be kind of a case-by-case basis. That's hard to kind of say kind of holistically, right? We have a really good and balanced supply chain, uh, mm-hmm. which is important, um, where we make product locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we source product as well. We have multiple uh, countries of origin in which we source products from. So, so our supply chain is, is strategic. It's diversified. Um, certainly we pay attention to geopolitical issues. Uh, and you mentioned a few that we uh, obviously are paying very yeah. close attention to. You know, we, we, we know that we're going to have to probably lean in with it, some additional safety stocks in certain categories that mm. we're sourcing from uh, the Far East, uh, particularly in markets that uh, are disrupted because of the issues that you just yeah. uh, mm. spoke of. Um, but we have a good balanced supply chain. And so uh, while that probably is a, a headwind. We also have some tailwinds in other parts of the supply chain that should enable us to offset it.
0: Mm. Another thing I, I noticed you, you called out on, on, the, on the earnings call was that your leverage ratio is down to 3.4 times. So that's heading in, in the right direction to your goal, I think, of two, 2.5 uh, around that. Does that give you any more wiggle room in terms of use of capital and perhaps acquisitions?
1: Yeah, you know, acquisitions, as you know, has been a a long part of our company's history. It will be a part of our future as well. Um, We'll look at those opportunistically uh, when the time arises. Mm. Um, You know, I'd like it to be um, a little lower from a a leverage ratio before we seriously consider doing anything. Uh, But we are getting in a position where um, if the right opportunity came up and it was strategic and it made financial sense, we would consider Mm. it. Um, but our allocation strategy is probably going to be very similar to what it has been in the in the 2023 year. Uh, we'll pay down debt, which we mm-hmm. think is uh, an important thing to do. Uh, you know, our capital structure is really solid, uh, which is is also a, a good thing for us. Uh, but we'll pay down debt. We'll mm-hmm. invest in the business uh, with capex. Uh, we'll return. Um, some dollars to our share notes through, through dividends hmm. um, and then we'll reassess it um, at the end of the year and, and see if we need to do anything yeah. different.
0: M&A in growing or growth categories or traditional categories or kind of just depends on a case-by-case basis.
1: <laughs> I think a case-by-case basis yeah. is how I would summarize the um, uh, what, what we may consider doing uh, from an M&A perspective. It's hard to talk about, obviously. We can't, even even if there was something we couldn't. Uh, but, you know, that, that's something we work with our board uh, through the strategic planning and long-range planning process. And um, they're very supportive of, of the right acquisitions yeah. at the right time.
0: Okay, good. Now, a lot of our listeners will be in the commercial channel, as we call it. You said on the call that's still a very important area for your business, though under pressure from you know, return to office levels, especially in the US. I think you said sort of forty to fifty percent, and you're not really banking on on that changing much over the, over the next twelve months. How much of a headwind is that?
1: Well, certainly, you would like to see people return to the office in our in yeah. our categories. Um, yeah. The more people in the office, the more consumption of the types of products that we make. Um, so we would like to see that. We don't anticipate that. We're not mm-hmm. banking on that. But I think that is baked into our run rate, Andy, right? So um, you know, we kind of hovered around that 50% range of, of occupancy. You know, it compares to 85, 90% pre-pandemic. So it just gives you a sense of how significant um, that is down. I think in a lot of the mature markets that we operate in, uh, that number is probably pretty similar. We just don't get the data. But, you know, in talking to our sales teams and talking to our customers uh, in our mature markets, you know, that's kind of what we're hearing. Mm. Now, that's not true globally in mature markets, but for the most part, that's what we're hearing. Um, So I, I don't anticipate that being an additional headwind. I'd love for it to start creeping up to 60 70 percent, provide a bit of a tailwind for our categories, but we're not anticipating that to be the case, at least not in twenty twenty four.
0: Okay. U.S. election might have a, a bearing on that, or, or not really.
1: That, that's a hard one for me to say. I have no idea. <laughs> let's not
0: let's let's not let's not talk <laughs> politics. Let's rule rule that rule that one out for sure. Okay, look. Last year, your your, well the the focus for ACO was restoring margins. What what are your your key focus areas then for 2024?
1: Yeah, we, we need to deliver our plan, mm-hmm. right? So we need to deliver our, our sales and profit plan for 2024. That's the the number one priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to invest for our future. Um, we need to make sure that we are supporting our key brands, bringing new products to market, and investing in our infrastructure to ensure that we can deliver great customer service to our customers. I mentioned product development on a number of occasions in this conversation with you, Andy, and that's an area in which we're leaning in more heavily into um, this year uh, with time from our executive team uh, throughout our business. Um, So those are some areas that that are kind of at the top of my mind. And then we we've got to continue to adapt, right? Um, it has been a a very dynamic operating mm-hmm. environment, um, really since 2020. And you know, I'm proud of the work that we've done, I'm proud that we've been able to adapt. We've got to continue that mindset within the business. Um, I can't predict what the future t- uh, holds for us, but I'm sure it'll be different than the present. And mm-hmm. you know, we just got to continue to adapt. So those are probably the four areas that I'm I'm I believe we're we're most focused on. But First and foremost, it's going to be deliver our plan, all right, deliver our revenue and profits.
0: Okay. All right. Okay, Tom, I'll leave it there. I appreciate your time today. Thanks very much and uh, hopefully catch up in a few months' time.
1: Pleasure speaking with you, Andy. Thank you for your time.
0: Cheers. Thank you. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.